0: I mean, is your furnace really ready for the cold? Will it fire right up at the first hintersies of wintersies? Getting your furnace inspected before it gets too cold means you'll have peace of mind as well as toasty toes. BWS Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning can send over a very well-qualified furnace inspector who will check all the checkable things and peer into the hidey holes where furnace problems may be lurking. Have you ever looked inside your furnace thing? It's dark in there, and there's gas connected to it. If you don't know what you're doing, who knows what could happen? That is why the letters BWS stand for Leave It to the Pros. Every year, furnaces across these Twin Cities just crap out and quit working. It's usually because nobody has paid them a visit in ages. Let BWS come have a chat with your furnace. We'll make sure it's really ready for the cold. BWS, it's
1: not BWS.
0: Are you really ready for the cold? Welcome back to the Empire Builders podcast. Dave Young here alongside Stephen Semple. And we're just talking about uh, businesses and, and what are the little pivots that they made along the way that turned them into empires from mom and pop kind of things. And today, Stephen, you told me we're talking about Angie's List. That's right. I think that there's a person named Angie involved in this story. That's correct. Angie Hicks. Let's hear it. I, they haven't been around forever, and uh, they've they've made some interesting pivots as well.
1: Yeah, they're actually now called just Angie. If you were to go to the website to pull them up, rather than Angie's List. But yeah, they they were founded in 1995 by Angie Hicks and Bill Osterley, and in 2011 they went public on NASDAQ, and 2013 they had two million subscribers. And in March of 2021, IAC, who's also the owners of HomeAdvisor, bought the company for $500 million. And it's estimated they do about $350 million a year in revenue today. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's rags to riches.
1: Yeah, it sure is.
0: So they've been around longer than I thought.
1: They predate the internet, really, like 1995. And that's the other part that I found surprising. It's like 1995, like, like no one was online in 1995. Tell me more. Yeah. So Bill had this small private equity firm, and he had hired Angie to work there as an intern. So she worked there for a year as an intern. And after the internship, Bill reached out to hire her. He said, I have this idea. But what you need to do is you need to move here to Columbus. And he'd raise some money. And he said to her, you need to commit to doing this for a year. And Angie describes herself as very risk adverse and not at all entrepreneurial. So she wasn't sure if she should do this. So she asked around for advice. Mm -hmm. And what I love was the advice her grandfather gave her. And her grandfather surprised her because her grandfather is very conservative. Here's what he said. He said, well, what's the difference between being 22 and looking for a job and being 23 and looking for a job? Not a whole lot. Right? So so she was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. So off she went. Because like, really, what's the risk? A year later, you're looking for a job. What's the difference? Mm-hmm. So the idea that came about that Bill had for Angie's List landed because of Bill's experience renovating his home in Columbus. He had recently renovated a home in Indianapolis, and he had used this local service called unified neighbors. So somebody had this service called unified neighbors, which is really a list of who was good and not good in the home improvement space. That's been a huge problem for people over the years. Absolutely. And he just assumed that when he went to Columbus, that Columbus would have a service just like that. Mm. And what he discovered was it didn't. And what he discovered was most places don't. So he saw this as an opportunity because this didn't exist. And so what they decided they'd do was start their own, that they would start this business. So step one was they called people that they knew, and their first offering was this $19 yearly membership. Now, remember, this is 1995. There's only 40 million users on the World Wide Web. Most users were using it like once a week. So this was not a web-based business. They literally started by phoning people and saying, Hey, Dave, who do you know who's really good in the home services space? Mm, mm -hmm. Oh, and Dave, would you also like to be a yearly member? The membership was for consumers.
0: Yes. A business couldn't buy their way on.
1: Not initially. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. So the first idea was that, and, and literally one of the first lists that Angie got was from a buddy of Bill's who gave Angie her church list, like her list of all of her members from church.
0: All these people, ask them who they use.
1: Yeah, and how it would literally work, Dave, if you were a member, you would pick up the phone and you would call in and Angie would answer the phone. You go, hey, Angie, I need a plumber. Who should I use? Oh, wow. Yeah, Angie literally answered you the phone and gave you the name of the plumber. And in the first three or four months, she was going door to door to get memberships. And she was miserable because success was one or two memberships a day. And what they realized, this was not a marketing plan that was going to work long term.
0: I mean, there's only so many doors Angie can knock on nationwide.
1: There you go. So they decided to advertise. Now, this was again, you know, mid 90s. So community newspapers were still a thing. So they took out this little two-by-three ad in the back of a neighborhood newspaper. And this grew them by 1,000 members in the first year. And they also decided to go back and buy, remember, Unified Neighbors in the other town? They went back and they bought Unified Neighbors. So they now had two offices, and Angie's driving back and forth. Three years in, they opened a couple of other markets. They're now in four markets. Bill has left the private equity and is now working as the CEO full-time on this business. But Angie is completely, she's burned out and she decides she needs to take a break and go to business school. Okay. So she goes to Harvard. But she did find it weird going there because like you're going to this business school after having you know, been working and building this business. She found it, she found it really, which I can actually relate to because when I was in university doing my bachelor of commerce, I had a business. So I had this full-time business I was running and going to business school. And yeah, it is a little bit weird because there are certain things where you're like, yeah, it doesn't really work that way. But anyway, she does business school. And after graduating, she's not completely convinced that she wants to return to to Angie's list. So she interviews around and sees what's out there and decides, no, you know what? I want to do, I want to go back to Angie's list. So when she was gone, Bill had hired a CFO and they had built out this complete business plan. And so when she calls, they basically say, hey, we can't take you back. We can't afford you. (laughs) And she basically says the bill, screw you, I'm returning. I'm one of the founders of this business. I'm returning. (laughs) So it's 1999 and they decide to go online because what they noticed was there was growth happening in in, in the online space, still pretty small. But it's exploding. Mm-hmm. So to give you an idea, in 1999, there's 150 million people online worldwide. By 2000, it's 407 million. Yeah. So it's still not a lot, but it is in that explosive period. Yeah. And the first thing they do online was like what a lot of people did. It was really a brochure on a page. Mm-hmm. But one day they realize half their signups are coming from the website. So maybe they should put reviews online. Ah, uh, okay. The idea was this community of trust really before the sharing economy. Like let's face how like 1999, they were being very early and innovative on this. And one of the things that they decided that they needed to mimic in terms of look and feel and touch was journalists, which meant it didn't even occur to them that reviews would be anonymous. There was mm-hmm. no such thing as an anonymous review. Reviews would be open open. And not only that, the company you're reviewing would be allowed to respond. Okay. Because they wanted it to be have a journalistic feel. Because here's how Angie described it. When you think about home renovations, there's a high cost of failure in the decision. And it's at a time when you know the least about buying. Like in other words, high cost of being wrong here. I know nothing about construction. I'm spending a lot of money on it. And if it goes wrong, it has this really big impact. Mm -hmm. And there's not a good source of information out there. Yeah. So that's the gap that they were filling. And as soon as they went online, it allowed them to scale to national. Sure. In 18 months, they opened 100 markets. But what they did, not only did they do online, but they still did. Because again, online, it wasn't like people were finding them online. They advertised locally. People went to the website to sign up. And what they did was they started with small markets before large markets because hmm. a small budget, as you and I know, Dave, mm-hmm. a small budget and a small market, you can move the needle. Yeah. So they would go small market, small market, and it didn't matter where the markets were because it was online, small market, yeah. small market, small market, small market. And then when they were had enough markets and they had a big enough marketing budget, they then went to the large markets. And I've always argued that if you had A national online business, this is what fascinated me about Angie's, said if you had a national online business, the way to grow it would be advertise in small markets and then move from small market to small market. So they did exactly the thing that I've always argued would be the way that if I had an online business, I would be growing it. Mm -hmm. Be advertising in these small markets.
0: It all scales. It's not like you need brick and mortar in those small markets. You're just an online presence. Correct. So you don't have to open an office. You don't have to do all the things that you you would normally have to do to expand into a market. And and the thinking would be if if you were brick and mortar, yeah, you've got to go where people are, go to a mass market.
1: And what you and I know, if you're going to a market like Toronto, to even just scratch the surface – you got to spend a million dollars. If you go to a town of 250,000 people, you can have a big impact You know, with a forty, fifty dollars $50,000 marketing budget.
0: You've still got a, a critical mass of, of these home service providers that mm-hmm. you can review and, and rate. Absolutely. Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this nice one thanks we should do this more often man i wish we could and why can't we it's my business what about it thought everything was good it was do i hear a butt in there sales have started to flatten and we're down over last year Uh oh can't figure it out tried a bunch of stuff putting in more time doesn't seem to make a difference yikes it's frustrating have you spoken to steven who the host from the podcast we just interrupted no why not i thought you were trying stuff i am but what's steven gonna do He'll work with you for free. You mean that starter session thing? Yep. I don't know. What do you have to lose? Not much, I guess. So, you gonna book one? Yeah, why not? Where do I do it again? I think you can do it right from this podcast. Cool, thanks. You bet. We really should do this more often. Golf more or interrupt this podcast? Over to you, Dave. Book your starter session on this podcast's website. Just visit TheEmpireBuildersPodcast.com and click on Get Started. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. So they did this whole idea of
1: advertising, offline advertising, did small markets before they moved to big markets, but the original idea was built on their own need. It was built upon the frustration of Bill going, how come there's no list here of really good home services companies? But the other part I found that was interesting is even when they decided to model it out and put reviews on the site, it was journalists that they modeled Mm -hmm. which led to the decision of reviews can't be anonymous and people need to be able to respond
0: to those reviews it's been obviously wildly popular and especially i think with consumers but you and i talk to a lot of home service companies we have clients and they've not always been the biggest fans of what we call aggregators like angie's list because they they end up being gatekeepers they aren't always fair. So Angie's built something very successful
1: by seeing this gap in the marketplace. But yes, if you're now a home services company and you're not part of the Angie's List network, now, which you can do for free, or you can pay to be on, but here's the other thing is, it's usually not a recommendation The one. It's a, it's a recommendation of here's four really good plumbers. And now that consumer calls those four plumbers and you're competing. And Mm -hmm. look, who owns the customer wins. And what happens in something like Angie's is if I don't have a plumber that I feel good about, I'm going to go to Angie's list and Angie's is going to give me a plumber.
0: Yeah, you're going to go somewhere.
1: You're going to go to Angie's. You're going to Google plumbers near me. And basically what happens is when you rely on those networks as a home services company, you've basically abdicated the responsibility of marketing your business to Angie. Mm -hmm. Where if you market your business yourself, building the type of ads that we talk about that make you thought of first, like the most and deeply trusted, guess what? That person's going to come directly to you and circumvent Angie.
0: Yeah. Well, Angie's and uh, so many of the others, boy, they not only give the consumer, here's a list of people, but they also then, now they're selling leads. Mm -hmm. The home service company has to pay Angie to get, leads that Angie has also sold to their competitors. So when you look at it from the viewpoint of the home service company, now you've got, you're much better off finding your own leads, yes. people that think of you first and like you, than taking a lead that was sold both to you and two or three of your tightest competitors. And now you're all fighting for that client, and you're all underbidding each other. And and that that can be good I mean, obviously that can be good for the consumer, right? If I can get home service companies bidding for a job, I might spend less money, (laughs) but I also might get the worst job.
1: What Angie has done, though, is filled that need in the marketplace. If I don't, Mm -hmm. and if you think about it, it's if I don't know who to use, where can I go to get something? And part of the reason is, is a lot of the businesses in the home services space have not promoted themselves well directly to the consumer and want to rely yeah. if at all want to, but as soon as you do that it means you are now subject to this to being part of Angie and things along that lines now here's what's also interesting about Angie is they are still continuing to advertise offline they run national television commercials to attract those people to their site so that they can be the gatekeeper Like Mm -hmm. they want to be the gatekeeper to the home services business. And what you want to be, if you're in the home services business, you don't, that's not the best place to be. You actually want to control your destiny and market directly to the consumer.
0: One of the most interesting lessons from this is probably not the one that Angie would intend for us to learn from it. But it's, if you're going to build an online company, still nationwide, your best bet is to get on mass media so that you become known. And, and you're the gatekeeper, yeah. right? The business model is, it's, it's almost like the service providers are, are actually looking at Angie to leverage their marketing budget for them. Yes. Right. So they've taken away control. But yeah, you can probably get some business by joining Angie's List and letting them do their mass media and get customers, get people that have projects that you need to to do Because you don't have the the resources to, to do a mass media campaign in your city.
1: And here's the secret edge that a company like Angie has or any online business that wants to look at advertising offline. The secret edge that they have is what you and I both know, David, is not every media market is the same price. There's inexpensive media markets and there's expensive media markets. There's big media markets and there's small media markets. If you've got a small budget, what you can do is go, I'm going to the least expensive small media market Mm -hmm. because it doesn't matter where you do it. Or even if what you want to do is test the idea, is go to a small market so you can run the test with a small budget. Mm -hmm. And And then once it works there, you just go to the next inexpensive small market and pick off those 20, 30 Small, inexpensive markets first. Mm -hmm. It is a secret asset that online businesses have that they are not taking advantage of. And look, if you're out there and you are an online business, you want to figure that out. You want to figure out what are the inexpensive media markets? Give Dave and I a call. We'll walk you through it.
0: Easy. Easy. An interesting topic, Angie's List and and what we call the aggregator's but maybe surprising lessons there. So I'm glad you brought it up.
1: What I loved is the thing that I've been saying to businesses is exactly what they did, which I found really interesting.
0: Thank you, Stephen. Thanks, David. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review. And if you have any questions about this or any other podcast episode, email to questions at com.